Augusta, and I'm your host of No Sex in the Suburbs, a podcast about marriage, sex, and momming so hard. Today we're talking to social media powerhouse, the 21st century stay-at-home mom. She is also a staff writer for Scary Mommy, and she is also the author of the book, I Brushed My Hair Today, a journal for mostly together moms. So she is basically one of the women behind all of the jokes and memes and (laughs) quizzes and things that you send to your girlfriends on a daily basis. So she's joined us today and she's going to talk about how she gave up her career as an English teacher to become a stay-at-home mom. And then one day at the supermarket, her baby had a massive blowout that got everywhere and was super embarrassing. And that blowout ended up changing the trajectory of her life. She went home and she posted about it on Facebook and the crowd basically went went wild because it turns out that this is back in 2009, women were really desperate for an honest glimpse of what motherhood is really like. Now, we all know that motherhood is amazing and beautiful and wonderful, but we also know that it can be a literal and figurative shit show. It's really hard and it can be isolating and you can feel guilty about it because it's also such a gift to be a mom. Um, But it is actually really very difficult to be responsible for (laughs) the raising of little humans. And so we talk about that and we talk about how her commitment was to rock being a stay at home mom, but it didn't matter in the end how many kids she had or how many crafts she did, or how busy she got, there was a little piece of her that was unfulfilled, a little void, a little bit of her cup that she couldn't fill with motherhood. And we talk about how she realized that and what she did about it. I think this is so important because I know that there's so many moms out there who feel isolated, who feel guilty, who know they're so lucky, even if they're a stay-at-home mom, that they have the financial means to do that because it's very common. Most people have to, most families are dual income households these days. I mean, that's just how it is. She talks about owning that and understanding that, but also feeling like she wanted to do something just for herself and that she has these gifts that existed before she, you know, pushed babies out of her vagina or stomach or wherever they happen to come from and how she feels better now having fulfilled that that void. We also talk about COVID and homeschooling kids, uh, specifically her gorilla child who has a hard time sitting down and we talk about not getting dressed really for like a year full dressed, you know, I'm talking like real pants, maybe some makeup. Anyway, she's a really nice person. And I feel so lucky to have her on the show. Really feel really lucky that she gets to influence us on the daily with a little, little honesty, little perspective, because we all know there's so much crap being shoved down our throats all the time. Anyway, if you like it, please let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. I'm on Instagram. My handle is no sex in the suburbs. I have a website. It is no sex in the suburbs podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Um, And I also wanted to let you guys know that I've made a decision that I'm going to be putting out these episodes once every other week moving forward for the, the next near, near to long future. 
I'm having a really good time doing this. I love it. And I love all the positive feedback. And thank you to everyone who's reached out to me to say that they like the show. Uh, it does take a lot of time. And I've got two little boys in preschool. One is autistic. We do a lot of therapies. They're really only out of my hair for like a couple hours, three times a week. So I have to get everything done during that time. So I'm just going to scale it back a notch and see how that goes. Thanks so much. And I hope you like the show. Let's do this. Hi, Karen. Welcome to No Sex in the Suburbs. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. In my mind, you've made it to the Cool Kids Club. I mean, you're basically who <laughs> I want to be when I grow up. Uh-huh. You started out as a high school English teacher, and mm-hmm. now you have something like 50,000 followers on Instagram. You've published a book. You've managed to monetize being a stay-at-home mom. I mean, even your handle, the 21st Century Stay-at-Home Mom, I think is genius because there's so many of us out there with like a side hustle or a full-time hustle or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I want to hear your story, and I think my listeners do too. You started out as a high school English teacher, and you quit when your first baby was born or right after? How did that go? Yeah, so I had always wanted to be a teacher from the time I was in school. Love school, love reading, love writing. English teacher track was exactly what I wanted to do, and I stuck with it. Also college earned my master's. Um, And so when we were pregnant with our first child, I expected to be a working mom. Mm -hmm. I had no plans on quitting um, the teaching field. We were in the process of relocating across the country for my husband's job. I interviewed at new schools while pregnant. And when he came along, everything just changed really quickly, which is, I think, the case for so many mothers. Um, My husband worked very long hours and traveled quite a bit. And we had no family in town. We were in a new state. And I just felt very much like I could not do both well. And he just looked at me one day and he said, you're not going back to work, are you? And I said, I don't think so right now. I can't do both things. Wow. Did you have maternity leave? Were you like a six-weeker in California? You get six weeks plus whatever vacation you've saved up. I took the six weeks and then unpaid another 14 weeks we were able to swing it because he was in school full-time but working some part-time jobs we had some savings and so I took 20 but 14 were unpaid got it so yeah so I did have to go back and finish my school year um, because he was a full-time student at the time and I was carrying us on benefits and things Um, I finished this like 10 weeks so I had a little tiny stint into the working mom with a baby life um and we did the daycare thing whatever and then um when we got to the new place where you know we had moved i just never got licensed in that state and then officially was a stay-at-home mom upon that moment so and you mentioned being a stay-at-home mom was actually really hard for you and i found it really hard too i mean incredibly hard incredibly hard i think it was a variety of factors i grew up with my mother was a stay-at-home mom my dad was the you know, they were in one income household. All of her friends on the street were stay-at-home moms. She had a little village. You know, they had coffee dates during the day where we all played in the yard. I just had a very, I think, unrealistic, idyllic image in my head. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided to make peace with the fact that I was going to take a break from my career, um, 
I just was like, okay, I'm all in. We're going to do this. And so we were in a new house in a new neighborhood in a new state. And I remember packing up my baby and putting him in the stroller. And I just went outside. Like, I'm going to go meet the moms. And my neighborhood was so quiet. And there were no other stay-at-home moms on my street. And it this was right at the very beginning of, this was in 2009. So social media was still young and um, I didn't have a, I didn't have a smartphone yet. I mean, it was just, I didn't really have those online connections yet. I didn't quite know how to make that work. So it was so lonely. I was just incredibly lonely and I would stare at the clock at like 10, 15 in the morning and be like, like, and then I would feel guilty because why am I not incredibly fulfilled with this beautiful baby? And lucky that you can stay home because a lot of people right. can't. Right. Yes, exactly. Very fortunate. Um, he's healthy. I'm healthy. We can afford this. So many things to be grateful for. And then you feel terrible about yourself because, and, and I did not know that that was what I was feeling. In hindsight, now that we're 12 years in, um, I can look back and say that I think there was an element of maybe some postpartum depression or at least depression because of the career change, because of the lack of grown-up interaction, because of the lack of mental stimulation. Can Um, we talk about that for a second? How did you make peace with, like, I mean, you knew you wanted to be an English teacher. How did you make peace mm -hmm. with the, I'm not going to do this anymore? Um... It wasn't heartbreaking when I first decided. I was really ready. I was I was excited about about doing the motherhood thing. I knew I couldn't possibly. I mean, we would have to bring our baby to daycare at six o'clock in the morning. I used to leave for work at six fifteen because I would get to the building at like six forty five or seven. I had a thirty minute commute. It's like, how would we do it? And I and it was very. It was pretty easy for me to just be like, I'm going to put that on the back burner for a minute, and I'm going to jump into motherhood, but I'm going to rock motherhood. I'm going to be amazing at it. And so it was okay. And then, it, and then I wasn't, and it was hard. And the biggest, the first huge, I had an incre- uh, incredibly healthy pregnancy and labor and delivery, smooth sailing, and then he wouldn't breastfeed. Mm. And so there's, you know, smacked in the face with failure right out of the, you know, right out of the, the, the door for, at the beginning. And eventually we got the hang of it and it was fine. But I think that's, it wasn't necessarily saying goodbye to teaching at the time. It was that motherhood was hard and I did not feel like I was doing that well. And I didn't know why. Like, well, why isn't this amazing? Motherhood is hard and you really don't yeah. know. You know, I used to be in yeah. sales and I used to be like, look, it's very simple. When I do well, my numbers go up. When I mm-hmm. do poorly, my numbers go down mm-hmm. and it's very mm-hmm. easy to tell, you know, like at the end of the day, how do you track your progress? I don't exactly. Know. Yes. I would say to my husband and it, and it started to create a wedge in my marriage because he was doing great in his new career and was winning awards and, and getting in promotions and things. And I'm like, where's my award? Like, where's my boss? And I remember saying to him when I was teaching, you know, your income isn't affected by your progress in teaching. It's a flat scale for everybody. But my principal would pull me aside and say, great, great job. You're doing amazing. They'd get reviews and my students were thriving. And it just, I knew that I was doing well. Mm-hmm. I had like, like you said, even with sales, I had like, quant- like I could quant- quantitative measures of success. And then motherhood and everybody tells you, but of course you're successful. Like, look at this beautiful, healthy child that you're raising. And our son was perfect. I mean, he was well-behaved. He, like, 
was loved to read. I mean, he was this dream baby. I was like, how can I not be like proud and successful mom and I'm doing great. But I definitely was missing. You're right. I was missing those reviews. I was missing like a boss being like, good job. Here is your certificate of excellence. (laughs) So at what point were you like, I need to do something else? Because clearly you did end up doing something else. How did that go? Well, the first thing I tried to do is just make more babies. I was like, if I can make more babies, I will get so busy that I will feel so fulfilled. And I literally have talked to other mothers about this. I think I, and and again, very fortunate that we didn't have any infertility issues. We had healthy babies. We were, and, and so I have three and I had them all in pretty much rapid fire. We're all two years apart. Um, And it was interesting because even with the third, like I still was by that point, kind of had a handle on what it meant to be a stay-at-home mom but was still kind of struggling with a lot of those voids but it was when my second daughter or or my second child my only girl I have my my kids go boy girl boy and so my second was um a newborn so now I have a two-year-old and a newborn and I went grocery shopping and she pooped you know up her back through her clothes like the explosive diaper thing and I had to change her clothes multiple times right of course and it's and she's a Christmas baby so she's 10 days old it's like you know December 28th it's freezing my son was all boogery. He lost his hat in the store. We're like walking up and down the aisles with this stupid hat. And like, <laughs> and it was just, so I came home and I told the whole story on Facebook about the, a simple trip to the grocery store and how everything is an adventure. And several friends said, you should start a blog. And blogs were really hot in like 2009. Really yes, yes. Time. Yes, yes. Well, this was, yes. Yeah. So this was in now 2000. 10 early 2011 uh-huh. and so um because she was born at the end of 2010 and um I was like you know what I maybe I will like just a motherhood blog so I I bought like a or I, I signed up for a free website didn't pay for it I think only five people ever saw it um it was called the musings of oh gosh what did I call it something like non-scrapbooking stay-at-home mom because I'd realized by this point that I was not the stay-at-home mom that I thought it would be in a lot of ways. I really wasn't super into crafting. I really don't like to bake. I hate crafting. Like just That's yeah, like my the personal hell. I, yes, the things that I thought that I was going to do, and then I still kind of had in my mind, this is the stay-at-home mom. Like I wasn't her, and so I kind of made it. I poked fun at that. Like I don't scrapbook. I don't bake. I don't really like to craft, but I am a stay-at-home mom. Um, and I, the few people who read this first few pieces mostly my family and friends but I was starting to receive validation that I had something to give out into the world outside of breastfeeding and wiping butts and changing diapers and I love finding sippy cup lids and so I started to feel this teeny little drip into this like empty cup and so um Casey Parent I was living in Kansas City at the time. Um, Casey Parent Magazine is that free parenting magazine you get at the grocery store. Every city has one. And it was all ideas about parenting. And I started noticing that they had blog posts in there from parents like me. And I thought, maybe they would want me to write for them. So I emailed them. I found their editor's email. And they were like, yeah, we would. And all of a sudden, I was like, okay, this feels really good. At this point, you were not a published author. No, nope. So Casey Parent was the first, my husband actually gave me as a gift the first time. So they first started having me write for them online. And then the very first time that they published 
for one of my articles in print. The magazine was literally on the shelf at the grocery store. My husband ran out and stole like 30 copies <laughs> and and cut it out and put it in frame for me. Aww. And it was like, you are officially a published writer because one of your articles was published in this free magazine at the grocery store. You know, and it was really exciting. And so, yeah, things just kind of started to grow. And then I started submitting to other sites I had gotten wind of scary mommy and I really was like that was the dream like you know if I could ever finally get published on scary mommy who I am now staff writer for and I managed their social media years later but yeah and then I really realized okay I think I want a real blog and I want to really do this and now social media had started taking form in my mind of the value of it more than just chatting with you know college friends and things and and I just kind of kept chipping away at it. And, you know, here we are nine years later. So <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> well, I just want to say congratulations, because that's amazing. I mean, thank you. I know it's a small thing getting published in a free local parenting magazine, but it's a big thing, too. It, uh-huh. it changed your whole trajectory of your life. So that's incredible. And I want to say congratulations. I think that's really inspirational. I want to talk about how you were a stay-at-home mom, but didn't identify with a stay-at-home mom because there's so many moms that I talk to that maybe have left their job or are sort of half in or half out, but they don't necessarily identify with the traditional Mm -hmm. stay-at-home mom setting. And I think it's really noteworthy that your handle is 21st century stay-at-home mom, but you're really working. So, so, Mm -hmm. so tell me about that. Yes. Well, and so, like I said, I mean, lighthearted things like, oh, I don't like to bake. I don't like to craft, but I also felt like maybe this 21st century stay-at-home mom is a mom who, and, and I don't necessarily know if moms loved it years ago. I know that my mother struggled in a million ways, but the world looks different for stay at home moms today because there aren't as many of us. I think, you know, there were definitely times in history where you were just surrounded by this village. You know, if my mom wanted to run errands but didn't want to drag her kids along, the neighbor across the street was home. We just went over there. Right. You know, like I didn't ever have just like this instant like, hey, can you grab the kids for a minute? I got to go, you know, and and so I think that was sort of something that I started to realize I was not living the life that my mother had lived in the eighties. And, but I had social media and I had online connections and I had technology connections. And so I really kind of liked talking about like so many things are the same. We live on a cul-de-sac. I drive a minivan, you know, my husband works long hours. Well, growing up, my father worked long hours and my mom was the one who did the, the mothering, the cooking, the cleaning, the homework, the field trips, the permission slips. And that's really very, very much my role for a long time. But in a lot of other ways, I don't think that she and I don't think a lot of moms back then really realized I need something else. This isn't enough or or maybe they didn't need something else. But for me, I knew very quickly just motherhood isn't filling me up and uh, there's a huge void and I need mental stimulation I need intellectual stimulation I need, and so that's why the writing kind of filled that um, void for me but I also felt really guilty about it because I felt like I was supposed to be completely fulfilled 
Yeah. And I didn't know how to work through that guilt and admit it to myself and admit it to my husband, admit it to my kids. Like I didn't want them to know like their mom should love every single minute of this. And why doesn't she, and does that make her a failure? And so I started to feel this calling to reach out to other moms. Cause I knew I'm like, I can't be alone in this. So now I felt this calling to reach out to other moms, especially in the early baby days when you're in those trenches and your day starts at like 3am <laughs> to be like, Hey, if you don't love this, you're still really probably doing a good job. And and I want you to hear that because that's what I needed to hear. And it, it's very defeating to feel like I'm trying so hard to do this well. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, and I feel like a failure because I don't love every minute when I, and I don't love a lot of minutes, not even like I don't love every minute, but they're like whole days would go by that. I didn't love it. Yeah. Like and, I might um, be borderline regretting life choices. <laughs> yes. I mean, and you know, in that whole stare at the clock, how am I going to get through the day? Like, uh, you know, I remember we would like, I would linger sometimes at the grocery store longer because I'd be like, as soon as we get home, this was our outing for the day. Wow. And then you just feel like that's my life now. That's literally who I've become. Somebody who's hanging out longer at the grocery store. Like you feel uh-huh. like a shell of you used to be. So it's kind of interesting to me that you decided, well, I'll just make more babies because then I'll have mm-hmm. to linger at the store even longer. Yeah. I think I thought that boredom piece and that void would be filled because I just would have so many that I would just. I, I was almost like maybe the answer is just to be so overwhelmed and busy, but I wasn't feeling the like I, I still need mental intellectual stimulation and it was just more diapers, yeah. <laughs> more, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. So, I mean, I actually, I, as soon as my third child was born, I was like, I, I don't think I want to be done. And my husband was like, so yeah, we're done like done done because when I walk in the door every night from work you hand me a baby and you're borderline in tears like this is not like he knew I wanted to have more babies for the wrong reason and I didn't know it at the time and he was so right like three kids is a lot of kids (laughs) yeah we are currently debating if we're going to go from two to three and I kind of want to go for it yeah not to feel the boredom because like we're uh, no 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 it's just I don't know. Some people are like, oh, I'm done. You know, my family's complete or whatever. I don't know if that's true. But tell you, my period was like three days late or something. And my husband was like, white. It's a blessing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. When I told him about the third, it was fun because the first one, you know, I, of course, told him. And then when the second one, like our, our, when the second, when we found out we were pregnant with number two, our first child was a year old. So by the time the third came along, the first child was three. So he could say it. So I had him tell daddy when daddy walked in the door from work, mommy has a baby in her belly. And he found the closest chair and just sat. (laughs) (laughs) I could tell like his legs kind of came up from under him because I was in a state of overwhelm and I think it was just like, why, why are we doing this again? But I didn't feel done. I I knew as soon as my daughter was born that I was like, I really feel like I want one more at least. And so I do think it was the right thing for us, but I also feel very much relieved that we stopped after him and he's incredibly difficult and strong-willed and God definitely was like, hey, you're done after number three because he's going to break you and he breaks us every day. Okay, I want to get into that also. Yeah, we still, I would like to touch on coping with COVID 
and all the mm. things. But before I do, what advice do you have for moms that maybe are under it, are stay-at-home moms, feel like something's missing, but don't even know, they've like almost lost their identity of who they were pre-mom and it's not the same anymore. And mm-hmm. I have a friend who had to write like a bio about who she was, mm-hmm. literally could not do it, could not. Because she was like, I take care of kids. I wipe asses Mm -hmm. and change diapers and drop off and pick up and am a cafeteria. What what do you say to those those gals? Well, first, because I can identify that. I used to go with my husband to work functions and stand there and talk to all these professional women. And I was I was mortified. I would hate going. I'm like, I don't have anything to talk about if it's not babies and diapers and breastfeeding and white uh, and potty training. I don't, you know, so I, I completely understand like that lack of like, what do I talk about and who am I? But I will say, I do think the pressure of find something for yourself and, or find a side hustle or find something else is sometimes too much. There are definitely moms who are like, I can't right now. This is sucking every single ounce of everything I have to give out of me. So I don't, I hesitate when, when I talk to moms who are struggling to say, go find something for yourself, because I think at times that's too much pressure to put on a woman. So what I would start by saying is, first of all, you're not failing. And if you feel like you are, stop and take a breath and look around. And, you know, if you see your healthy, beautiful, like, or even if they're not healthy, but like, you, you know, your, your, your beautiful children who you're doing your best for every day, you are not failing. It is okay if you don't love a lot of this that doesn't make you a bad mom that's very normal and so trying to kind of start there then if at night or when you have a moment you start to think of what you're missing I don't it was very it was very much luck for me that I fell into the writing thing because it immediately started filling that void but I didn't technically know what the void was I just knew that it was there I didn't know what was missing. My husband would say to me, I can tell that you're struggling. What do you need? And I'd be like, I don't know. And so I would say, listen to my story and maybe be like, is that what it is? Was I formerly a professional in a working, you know, the working world? And it was, I mean, and I worked until the day before he was born, my first child. So it was like very abrupt. It was like working, running around, being a high school English teacher, boom, home with a baby. Mm-hmm. And there was no transition. And so um, I think that it's important for women to kind of have some self-reflection and think about, like, if I really am struggling with finding joy in this and feel like this isn't working for me or I'm not doing well or I, whatever it is, um, try to identify your core needs as a human. Like, who are you as a person? And if I had taken the time to do that back then, I would have realized, oh, I'm a person who very much thrives on feeling like my using my brain and suddenly I don't feel like I'm doing that and that is impacting my mental health drastically but I didn't know that back in 2009 I know it now I sort of have this theory in life that the path of least resistance you didn't consciously know like I'm gonna be this writer I'm gonna be this mommy blogger but you no. just didn't even think about it. Path of least resistance, like, oh, I think I'm just going to write this one article. And it opened up this right. whole world. It wasn't even right. conscious for you. You just did it. Right. Right. And so I think there's definitely women who find success in finding something for themselves because they know right away what they want to do and they go out and do it. And then there are women like me who it just kind of falls on their lap and they're like, oh, wow, I feel better. I feel so much better. I mean, I would find myself furiously writing. I would be on like two hours of sleep 
and I'd be at my computer just frantically typing away and it was pouring out of me. I mean, I wrote more in those baby days than I do sometimes today when my kids are in school full time. I mean, it's, it's because it just, it was pouring out of me and I was so fulfilled by being able to use my brain in that way. That's so, awesome. and were you not even caring if you made any money at this point? No, at the time, no, at the time I was so excited if anybody would take my work and I just felt so validated because it was back to, like you said, that whole, some grown up is telling me that I'm valuable mm-hmm. and in a way that is not I mean, it was tied to, mother- tied to motherhood because all my posts were about motherhood, but it wasn't specifically like you're valuable because you kept this tiny human alive. It was like you're valuable because you're smart and you have this skill that you, you know, have a degree in and here, you know, use your writing skills. So, Which is really yeah. stupid because on a global scale, clearly it is more valuable for you to keep that tiny human alive. However, mm-hmm. it's really important and a part of you that doesn't matter how many kids you had, that vi- void was not gonna be filled. For all the people who are listening to this who aren't my mom or my sister or my best friend <laughs> out there, because I just started. So I had, you know, a 15 plus year in sales and media career. My son was diagnosed with autism and I knew you just spend your whole life driving from therapy to therapy to therapy. There's just no way. I mean, I was like a global media director, so I had to fly Mm -hmm. to San Mm -hmm. Francisco once a week. It was just not going to happen. There was no way. And I had to legit see a therapist about how I was going to let it go and move on and whatever. And my husband was like, you're going to last about a year and then you're going to have to do something else. And here I am doing this podcast making zero, zero. (laughs) but I have to say, people have reached out to me that I haven't talked to in 10 years. Oh my God, I loved it. This is so great. Uh, I know I did a thing on, you know, healing your inner child and subconscious work. And I have people who are signing up for that girl's course or her RTT therapy. And just Mm -hmm. that kind of value of, wow, you made somebody's life, you made somebody's day, you know, that that counts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I felt I felt like I was finally finding that village that everybody talks about that in the 21st century doesn't really exist outside your little cul-de-sac like it did in the 80s um, through my writing. And it was... What about being scared? Like, have you ever put out a piece? I mean, I'm sure you have because I have followed you for a while now. I know you talk about social issues and things like that. Uh-huh. Do you ever feel scared putting this out there? Yes. For a lot of different reasons. I mean, I do tackle some social justice issues that I know are going to bring a lot of angry commenters. And then I have to pick and choose how much do I monitor and how much I I delete and block a lot of comments that are just not what I want to have on my page and what I want my page to represent. And I also am fiercely protective of my family. Uh, So I write for Scary Mommy under um, a pseudonym quite often to protect their safety. I don't get it. You, why why use a pseudonym under Scary Mommy, Mommy, but your real name under your Instagram handle? Uh, well, I don't have my real. I mean, my my name isn't hidden on my Instagram, but you know, it's it's just twenty first century stay at home mom. You have to kind of dig a little bit deeper sometimes to know. But I also write under my regular name on Scary Mommy as well. It just depends on the topic. Uh-huh. If I write if I write about potty training or if I write about you know coffee or something like light then it's under my real name. And so, yeah, there are plenty of articles on Scary Mommy that are listed as Karen Johnson. But if I write about gun legislation or politics, then, especially lately, I tend to choose a pseudonym just because it it can get scary. Yeah, it's scary on Scary Mommy. Yeah. So 
when you finally did get paid for your first writing gig, uh-huh. I guess, how did that happen? And, and, and then at that point, are you like, oh, shit, I could make a living off of this? Um, I definitely couldn't make a living. I mean, the first thing I was paid for was an article. I was paid twenty five dollars. Yeah, it was really exciting. <laughs> and my husband was like, "You need to go out to lunch," or you know, he wanted me very much to do something for myself. That he's always been very much like, you know, you should be proud of this, and Aww. this is yours, or whatever, which is really nice because we didn't need my income or expect me to have an income. So right. it was just kind of fun. And then it started to grow, and. Now I make, I mean, honestly, I make a little bit more of like regular income managing social media for Scary Mommy and I'm a staff writer. So I write a certain number of articles every week and things like that. And now it's a little bit more like I can, you know, contribute to paying for family vacation and things like that. So, but yeah, at the beginning it was more just, I I remember the first time, couple times getting like a check in the mail. It it was exciting. It It really felt like I was worth something and that was really cool. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. (laughs) So proud of you. And I think this is such an inspirational tale for so many moms out there who literally, they don't want to, look, it's messed up that there's still the divide between the stay-at-home moms and the working moms. It it, it really is. I hate it. I hate it. But I I was, I was talking to another mom who also, she left her job. She was in corporate America and she moved on and started her own company. She had fertility issues and now she's doing fertility awareness and things like that. But she still identifies with the working mom instead of mm-hmm. the stay-at-home mom. And I think there's a okay. lot of people out there who are kind of in the middle. Yes. And it breaks my heart that we do have this whole, I have it harder. No, you have it harder. No, I have it harder. No, you have it harder. Because truly, I am in awe of moms who work full-time and still have to come home and do all the things that I do all day long, being physically in my house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I work almost full-time from home. But I did the whole thing for years where it was truly just like me and the kids. But I'm also like very much supportive of the stay-at-home mom who is living in Groundhog Day and incredibly lonely and fighting the the demons that I fought and and wasn't being fulfilled in the way that maybe working mom maybe is being fulfilled. It's just it's there's no competition. We're all working hard. We're all doing our best. And I'm also very grateful for working moms because the working moms are my kids' teachers. And are, you know, the people who make the world go around. So we need working moms. But we also need the stay-at-home moms who are sometimes the ones who step up and, and do the class parties and, like, do, you know, kind of fill other roles. Well, and, and so, also, like, we're all not the same. Like, who said we all had to be the same? Maybe some people have way more ambition and want mm-hmm. to climb the corporate ladder. You know, it was my very first episode. I interviewed a chief creative officer and she was like, I never wanted to be a stay at home mom. I'm not domestic. Mm-hmm. That was not my jam. And I right. never and I, and I never felt bad about it. You know, so why right. should we lump her in with someone who wants to bake and scrapbook all day? Right. Exactly. Both have so much merit and so much value and are probably going to raise awesome kids. Yeah. So I know I get so angry when when people do that. I think that a lot of women just want to be seen and heard. I think that a lot of women are just struggling. And when they hear some so-and-so has it worse than me, it's like, no, no, I have it worse. And they and I and I just want to reach out and be like, I see you. I know you are struggling in what you are going through. No one is invalidating that. But that doesn't mean we have to all compete. Yeah, not good. Okay, so to shift gears, I understand you haven't worn a bra since like March. <laughs> a regular one, yeah. So if pretty much, I mean, I, you know, have been working from home since for years, and so uh, now my kids are home, and it's funny all day long with me. They've been virtual students since March. 
and so I feel like a little bit like it's a different world but yeah living in sweats maybe a sports bra on a good day hair in a top knot that's you know if I do put on like real clothes I went to speak at a at a mom play group thing before COVID this was last year probably like around right after Christmas and I just put on like and our nice pants and like a sweater and like earrings and makeup. And my son said, are you going to a wedding? Oh. <laughs> because I literally, you know, was not in slippers and sweats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. my friend was like, oh, the Nordstrom half yearly sale is happening. Like, what are you going to get? And I'm like, mm, I got a couple of pairs of sweatpants from Costco. Like I'm ready for the yeah. season. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you made the decision to keep your kids at home. Did you have the option to go back or was school just totally closed? No, we did have the choice. And um, we are in an area that most of our students did go back in person. We made the choice for a few reasons. First of all, my husband, his job immediately shifted to working from home in March as well. So he's home all day long. I'm home all day long. So we can make it work relatively easily. We have the space. Um, we had a, we were able to set up like a schoolroom with desks. And one of our kids does have asthma and some high um, some, some concerning health issues. And at the beginning, we just knew so little about COVID. Right. We were just scared. Mm -hmm. We're like, let's not risk this if we don't have to. Let's just kind of all kind of hunker down. And so we decided to go that route and we're still doing it. We haven't ruled out going back as the numbers change, hopefully, fingers crossed, to maybe finish the school year in person, but not quite yet. How much of the burden is on you? Because like your kids are older so you have real mm -hmm. learning, whereas my kids yeah. are, you know, learning how to count and stuff. I can handle yeah. that. How much of the burden of the actual teaching falls on you? Not much for my older, my, so my, I have a sixth grader, a fourth grader, and a second grader. They're all two years apart. The sixth and the fourth grader are completely independent. Um, I don't, unless they need me to print something, I do not see them. They log in at 840 and they handle everything completely independently. Our district did, is doing a live stream. So they go to school all day long as the in-person kids do and get the same exact lesson in real time. And my, even in my middle schooler, each class every 45 minutes is a new live stream that he just logs right into. And it works out amazingly. Our district has done a phenomenal job with that. My second grader is also on a live stream, but he's a gorilla and doesn't believe in sitting and like <laughs> holding a pencil. I mean, so I, they set it up in the same way, but I have to sit with him and just help him focus. He actually has to take strategic brain breaks, get up, walk around, you know, do a somersault. Like he just cannot handle. So if he were left to his own devices all day long, like they are, he'd get nothing done. Got it. Well, so it's, you know, it's more like just me being like, Hey buddy, pick up your pencil. <laughs> Yeah, he falls out of his chair sometimes because he he'll be like, I forgot I was sitting. Like he just his body just ceases to sit and he just falls on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> we did virtual and it was just such a mess. Yeah, they're in preschool though, so like. <laughs> oh yeah, and no preschooler should do. I mean, even second grade, even second grade, it's a shit show. I mean, it's he's not meant to take school from a screen. Um, so yeah, preschool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would like. I was like, we're just not submitting any of the activities and ditching. And no, this is not happening. Yeah. But then yeah. we did make the choice to put them back in for mm -hmm. various reasons. My son, who has autism, needs help. He needs to be yeah. around other kids. Oh, he sure. needs to be socialized. I don't know. We made the call of like, we're not going to see my parents and we're going to mm -hmm. just go to school and therapy and that's it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, everyone, I guess, is is making their own, their own choice. And I yeah. fully respect 
no rule book for this. It's case. I feel like it's family by family, case by case. You got to kind of just like follow your heart when it comes to what to do with school. So, yeah. Well, Karen, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, I think this probably is going to resonate with so many moms who listen oh, to this. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. It's, I, I feel like I want to go back and find me in like 2010 and 2000. And, and I just want to like take her by the shoulders and be like, you're going to be okay. Like you're doing great. And so I can't do that, but I can try to find moms today who are in those same trenches and be like, I know that you stare at the clock at nine forty five in the morning and you've been up since 4am and you're like, how is this my life? Like, mm-hmm. You know, and I just want him to say, you're doing a good job. And that's why you wrote the book. Yes. Yes. And hopefully to make them laugh. I mean, the book is a journal meant to jot down funny things. Like the, the, the concept is that we all have these baby books that were given that is also to be happy memories, like first step and first tooth and first haircut and all that kind of stuff. And then this is the book where you write down the time that your kid shit on the living room rug that you're not going <laughs> to put in the other baby book, you know, like, and it's just, it's kind of sweary, but it's supposed to just make moms laugh. It's all quotes from other writers like me and famous people, famous moms, um, like Reese Witherspoon and Kristen Bell. And, but it's all those stories that we all go through um, when you're carrying your kid out like a football, having a tantrum, and everyone's looking at you with those, like, judgy eyes, and you're like, what? Like, your kid never did this? Mm-hmm. You know, those types of things. So so I actually got your book before the interview, oh. and I have oh, a friend that's pregnant, you. and I'm going to give it to her as a gift. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. That makes me so happy. Although I don't know if I really want to be able to look back and be like, oh, yeah, it was December 22nd when my kid, like, shat uh-huh. all over. <laughs> I know. We kind of want to block them out. But my hope is that you can write them down when you're in that, like, and then look back and be like, oh, huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, now I can laugh. Now that it's three years later and we have a new rug. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Karen, thank you so much. This has been a real treat. And um, if everyone, if anyone wants to find you, they can find you on Instagram at 21st Century S-A-H-M for Stay yes. at Home Mom. And I can link out to your book in the show notes. It's called I Brushed My Hair Today, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It, the rest of it is a mom journal for mostly together moms because, you know, I'm a hot mess. So, um, and yeah, and Instagram and Facebook. Facebook is another place I have a huge following. Also, 21st Century S-A-H-M. The either one is great. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much and have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You too. So nice talking to you. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye.